and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast, where we discuss all things property in Stoke, Newcastle and Crewe. My name is Amanda Woodward and I'm your host, and I'm pleased to have the lovely Kim Furman with me here today. Kim is a successful property investor and developer based very close by in the lovely Cheshire countryside. However, I'm sure today she will tell you that it hasn't always been that way. Kim has previously lived a lot further south of the country, previously working full-time as an employee and made the big decision to move up north and jump full-time into property and hasn't looked back. Now, having made the decision myself to leave London and relocate to Stoke, this episode is going to look at the decision often made by investors to relocate to their investment area and the pros and cons of building a property business on location. So, Kim, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You are very welcome. You are very welcome. So, I think we'll just kick off with you just introducing yourself from your perspective to our listeners in terms of sort of who you are, a bit about your background, and also you know, what triggered your main decision to invest into the property market? Yeah, absolutely. So if I take us back to, I think it was around 2012, uh, 2013, and Keith and I, my husband, were both working full-time long hours in London. Um, We actually lived in Hertfordshire, so we lived in Stevenage. We'd commute over an hour each way each to get to our jobs, do a full-day shift, Um, And we just didn't have much time left for kind of life, for each other, for family. And we were slowly, I could see we were both kind of reaching burnout. And I did go through burnout. I went through burnout. I was then put on antidepressants. I was getting counselling for depression. And I just thought, you know what, if this is what working life is like, something definitely needs to change here. And yeah, and you know what, I, I started just having my eyes open to see, you know, what else, what, what are the other options around? And I feel it was by pure chance. I'm sure I was probably looking for it, but I just got, I I found a seminar that was about financial independence. I thought, well, if I need to change something here, if I need to change my job or my situation, how do I do that? What are the vehicles and like, how do I get out of that? And I'd only sort of been brought up to, you know, essentially go to work for money and, and, and that was it. So I went to a seminar and it was it was linked to property. So how you can, you know, increase your financial independence through property investing, which was a world I knew absolutely nothing about at this point. But it completely opened my eyes. And I was like, hang on, there's something in this. And I thought if if general people can do this or if people do do this anyway, I thought, well, surely there's a possibility for me. Like people start everything from the beginning at some point. So there must be some kind of starting place here. I, I started to get quite excited, if I'm honest. <laughs> good, good, good. So you decided to, you know, get yourself started in property. Sounds like that was whilst you were working or was there was there like a transition period between working and then going into property? Yeah, so there was a bit of a transition. And I know some people talk about taking major moves to get to where they're trying to go. And 
one of my first major moves was to I, I started taking some courses I thought I need to learn this subject I need to learn what's it about what are the strategies people are talking about how do you raise money like how does it work so I felt like I needed to go through a study period but at the same time I wanted to learn on a practical sense so how do I get into that world and how how can I learn it kind of on the ground so my first major move was to essentially leave working in London find a local job local to where I was to save that commute time and I actually became an estate agent so I was very fortunate from having friends already in the industry that I managed to get a job kind of just starting out the salary was obviously absolutely minuscule in comparison and starting from the bottom but I think because I could see the potential and I was absolutely committed to making it work that was a fantastic move so Whilst I was learning in the classroom, I was also learning on the ground. And my day job was viewing houses, speaking to the mortgage brokers, dealing with solicitors, dealing with surveyors. It got me introduced to local property investors in the area. So it helped me start to build a network. And I could obviously then just get a little bit more into the industry from that point. And that's a really smart move, which one that I don't think many people actually take, which was quite a big jump, because correct me if I'm wrong, you were working in Harrods in Knightsbridge, Central London prior to that. Is that right? Yeah. So I had two. So the two jobs before. So I was a retail manager at Harrods for four years. Then that's when I started to burn out and get on all the antidepressants and see it was going wrong. And I thought, you know what the answer is? I thought maybe Harrods is the problem. Maybe I need to just, maybe I just need to change company. So I literally moved about four doors down in Knightsbridge and I became a flagship store manager of another retail store. And then I realized, oh, it's the same stuff just under a different wrapper. And so I was there for two years realizing I need to make a a big major move here. So yeah, it was a big change. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So at that point, you're starting to work locally. You've got more time. Um, You certainly sounds like you had a little bit more headspace and a bit more calmness around you. You at that point were in and around the Stevenage area. And what investment areas were you looking at at that point? And sort of how far away from home were they? So I had to be realistic and start starting from complete scratch. And I didn't have a starting pot of money either. I had to look at places where the entry level pricing was affordable. It was low. And where was that? So and I was looking to replace my my income. So I needed monthly income, which for me to start out, that was going to be starting to get some buy to let properties. And so I started looking around the northwest of the country. Um, I think I did. I think I looked in the north in general. But after doing lots of research, I was geared more towards the northwest. Yeah. And that led me to looking around kind of Liverpool, Manchester, Stoke, you know, those kind of areas um, yeah. just to see where were the best returns? What were the house yeah. prices? What were the rents? And for us, that was going if we were doing sort of some research days to travel there. That was about f- minimum four hours each way to go. And if you think about it, I, sp- I suppose this is something people need to consider is I need to do that on my days off or I need to collect up my holiday days or get loo days and that's when I need to do it. (laughs) So, yeah, that was probably a challenge in itself is trying to line up. Obviously, my husband, Keith, we wanted to do the trips together. He's on a different shift pattern. He was full-time working for the Met Police. He'd often, you know, get his days off cancelled if there was something big going on at work. 
so just trying to you know marry up those days off go head up to the area yeah that was a big challenge in itself (laughs) yeah I can imagine I can imagine time certainly and the distance being a challenge so you were looking at lower value properties was that for the sort of buy to let model buy refurb refinance Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So we were looking to recycle money as much as possible and have funds stretch as far as possible. So we were looking at houses that we could fully refurbish to add value. And they would be sort of really popular rental properties in high demand rental areas. So two or three bed houses. That's what was in demand in these areas. We'd obviously buy them at a a lower price, do the refurbishment to add the value. Then we could remortgage them at that new higher value to pull out as much money as possible that we could then roll into the next project. So that's what we were looking for. And that model is exactly the same to the model that Paul and I followed originally, both of us being in London at the time, chose Stoke as the investment area, again, around about four hours each way, looking for those sort of lower price buy-to-let properties to renovate and rent. And a lot of people listening to the podcast, Kim, will be in that same position, either based, well, some are even based overseas, so it's far more of a commute, but they obviously leverage people locally, but people all around the country that are doing that commute. Did you have any sort of systems or apps or anything that you use to try or maybe even leveraging people to try and help with that distance did you just put all the slog in yourself or have you got any any tips on how to to be smart with such a distance between you and your investment area yeah definitely so after we'd got our first few properties under our belt we sort of established our areas that we were happy with we'd started to build up and some of our team members, you know, the builder, the letting agent. and But we needed to go at a quicker pace and we couldn't always get there at the right times. So I think I'd say one of the major things was being able to utilise a network in the area. So find first of all, either finding sourcing agents. So we started looking for people that could find properties for us for a finder's fee. Uh, that would obviously save us time. And obviously they would present deals to us when they were agreed and ready to have a decision whereas we would go up we would need to view the properties we didn't even know if they would be agreed yet so it might be a wasted trip sometimes yeah so to use sourcing agents that was that was a good approach for us that helped us to get a few more deals under our belts and also just finding other investors in the area because sometimes you'd be able to pick up a property deal where somebody is buying has the same strategy as you has the same criteria but maybe they're maybe they're short of funding maybe they had too many projects agreed and they need they want to source the deal on but they've not necessarily built a client list because that wasn't one of their strategies so yeah. we found that really helpful as well just to let other investors in the area know that we're also looking for the same thing so we can essentially be a backup buyer for them and that perhaps gave them more confidence to offer on more projects because they knew that we could perhaps be a fallback buyer if, if they couldn't go through with it. So that helped a lot as well. That's a, that's a really good share. That's a really good share. And there's a lot of people in Stoke that are doing the same, either specific sourcing agents. And on a couple of the podcasts last month, we had some sourcing agents talking about finding deals in this market and the challenges of that as the market has changed a lot over the last 18 months. But sourcing agents, I think, get both a bit of a bad rep, but there are some great guys out there doing doing great deals as well. So I think that's a good tip for people to consider in terms of if they're not on the ground, then to 
to work with others as well. Yeah, and we did we did also use we use a lot of apps on our phone. So now it like the front of my phone is full of stuff probably for the business. I'm sure we've all got right move anyway, but we use it we use our phones for our emails. We use or like we outsource our bookkeeping. So we've got apps on there to scan in all the receipts. There's one called Dext. It used to be Receipt Bank. We use Dropbox so we can just and I we try and be paperless as well. So all of our anything to do with property, any bills, any mortgage information, it's all scanned in into Dropbox so we can just access it on our phones. We use Genius Scan and Genius Sign apps as well. So if we need to do digital like e-signatures, yeah, um, we can do that. If we need to scan something in on the go, even in the car, we can do that. So that's been really useful. And also to touch on even social media, we found that really useful just to help connect us with other people in the area as well. So yeah, that's those are probably our, our major apps, I'd say. Good stuff. Good stuff. So how long was that time scale? So give us some perspective. So started to get a keen interest in investing, agreed that the Northwest was going to be your area of choice. And then at some point you've, you know, decided, hold on a minute, I think we could grow our business quicker or better or have a different quality of life if we get closer to our investment area. So what was the timescales around that and how did that all come about? Yeah, so I I started looking into investing around 2012, 2013. We got our first project degree 2013. Then we spent the next few years building a portfolio. And when we got into double digits, we both got to a stage where we could leave our jobs And then we kind of had all of this time on our hands that we just hadn't really planned maybe beforehand. I think when I got started in property, I was a bit like, is this really possible? And then obviously, the closer we got to it, I was like, oh, yeah, I need to actually think bigger. So so we did actually, we've had a property mentor for like the last, I'm going to say maybe four years or so. And I would say about a year or so before we decided to relocate, I think it was brought up or mentioned just as an idea, like, have you ever considered relocating? And I think we brushed it off. We were like, no, we like where we live. We've got our friends and family. Like, we didn't think much of it. And maybe we didn't see the potential in actually relocating. And then when we realised we could only go at a certain pace. And do you know what? Those motorway trips, they get so boring. They are so boring. When we already know what we're ordering off the menu at the service station, it's like, come on, we need a new place for date night. Like, <laughs> let's let's change it up. <laughs> so it was, I think it was brought up again at one of our coaching meetings as, you know, I think we were frustrated that we, we weren't going at a quicker pace. And it was brought up again by a mentor and said, just said, have you, you know, have you thought about relocating? And we thought, do you know what? And we we sat on it for maybe two weeks and we just said, do you know what? Let's do this. Like, let's do it. And the the actual move happened at the beginning of 2019. So, yeah, two years into the into the new place, a lot has changed. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. And. I remember when I decided to make the move up to Stoke. Now, I have to be careful what I say here, but I think you've moved somewhere leafy where there's some nice parks around and you can go for some walks and you've got some nice little coffee shops and so on, (laughs) which is great. When I decided to move, I decided to move smack bang in the centre of Stoke-on-Trent, surrounded by terrace houses right into the thick of it. And I've got my, I think I earned my stripes with that decision. But even so, 
When you moved up, what was the feedback from friends and family? Did they think you were crazy? Did they support it? I'm just keen to to hear what your peer network outside of property, of course, thought of the move. Yeah, do you know what? I think I think it was probably a little surprise for some people, but then not for others, because yeah. I think when when people could see or realise we were travelling up to our area at least twice a month and we would go for a few days at a time so it was kind of obvious we were spending a lot of time in the northwest we'd also we'd obviously built up our network of you know contacts in the area but also we had property friends in the new area as well so and because that you know that's that's our industry that's what we're spending our time doing we were kind of maybe spending less time with people that didn't understand property because yes. we just really wanted to go all in on the business and I think another factor for us, we we were living in a, we were in a two bed kind of sort of penthouse flat right in the centre of town so we could be near the train station for commuting. And we were thinking, well, actually, we, we might want a family at some point. Like, how can we get a family house? We don't need to live in the centre of town. And the kind of house we were looking for, it just wasn't really looking that affordable, like that quickly um, near where we lived anyway. So in a way, we kind of were, were, were hitting on a couple of points in one go. If we relocated, we, we can grow the business, but also we can look. I mean, we swapped a two bed flat for a spacious, detached family house in the countryside. <laughs> and it's like we could hit two birds with one stone. <laughs> yeah, good, good. And that's well underway. And I believe also the, uh, the building of the family is well underway yeah. as well. So congratulations on that. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't the plan to move into a fixer upper. So maybe this is another point people need to think about is obviously if you move into your area and you invest in property, it's it's really hard to just buy a house that's going to work for you for now to live in. And we we said, look, let's get something that's ready made. You know, we don't have DIY skills between us. It, they're horrendous. Let's get something ready made and we can just crack on with business and get it up and running. And we ended up moving into probably the biggest fixer upper we've ever bought. <laughs> and, you know, there's still about 75% of the house still needs to be done. And now we're expecting a baby. So just be careful of those things if you're planning a move. <laughs> That's the property developer inside of you. You just can't help but seek out a deal. Yeah, if, there's potential yeah. everywhere. <laughs> exactly, when it's for your own family home. Okay, so let's fast forward. So you mentioned early 2019, the move was well underway. So since then, talk about what's changed in the business, any new opportunities that you've come across, maybe on purpose or just coincidentally with being in in the area and how your strategy might have changed with being so close. Yeah, definitely. So we we first of all focused mostly on buy to lets and we went in heavy on it. So we could get the portfolio into double digits and, and continue from there and have, you know, like a a template kind of model. Um, but when we when we moved up, more opportunities opened up. So first of all, we could access more areas easily. If we were used to going, you know, four hours to find an area, there there were so many more areas opened up to us. And one of the first deals that then came in was something we maybe wouldn't have even considered or looked at. And again, it came through our network. It wasn't a sourcing agent. It was someone that had just run out of funds because they had too many projects on the go and said, you know what, I've got something coming up in an area we'd never even heard of. 
would you be interested to have a look? And if we were back in our jobs, you know, back in London and someone said, could you come and have a look? We'd have to schedule time off, put in a holiday request. It would take us about two weeks to get there. Like the deal's gone by then, you know? So it's like, yeah, I can come and see you today, tomorrow. Let's go for coffee. Let's walk around the project. And that got us a new deal agreed that just isn't something we would have even considered. And that was a small conversion project a large cottage into two separate cottages that we were flipping you know one's completed already one's due to complete any time now and it yeah it just opened up a few more things we we then started sourcing deals ourselves so we had the time and the experience and the knowledge in the area to find additional properties for other investors that perhaps didn't have the time or weren't local um so we started sourcing deals as well we also then had more time on our hands so we started coaching other other investors that were starting out to pass on some of our experience then got into doing obviously doing flips we're currently buying like a HMO conversion in a completely different area that we wouldn't have looked at before which is going to be on a social housing lease and then even next week we're looking at something that's like a mixed use like commercial unit so loads has opened up (laughs) fantastic fantastic and I guess some of those things you wouldn't necessarily know were going to come as a spin-off of being in the area it just all starts to snowball very quickly it sounds and that's certainly how I experienced it in Stoke as a sort of young-ish at the time sort of southern investor with a a slightly cockney accent shall we say arrived in Stoke-on-Trent and was in the estate agent on a Monday afternoon, on a Tuesday morning, on a Thursday morning, the agents very quickly started to realise, hold on a minute, she's a lot more serious than perhaps we thought when she was coming up for her Saturday viewing appointment with, you know, every other amateur investor. And you do start to be taken quite seriously through the agents. And that was one of my biggest spin-offs because back then we were doing tons and tons of deals for estate agents. There was repos on with estate agents left, right and centre. This was sort of back in 2011, 2012 perhaps. And we were just, you know, like you said, you want to view a property? I'll be there in half an hour. I'll be there yeah. the same day. And the abundance of opportunities that comes with being on the ground, I think is, is is just huge, absolutely huge. So you haven't just relocated for business. You've made a whole life change and start to build build a new life in your new area so let's talk about quality of life I think I might know the answer to this one Kim (laughs) if you rewind back to Harrods Knightsbridge and don't get me wrong I absolutely love Harrods and I love Knightsbridge and I love the West End we were talking about that before the podcast of how much and I just love being in the centre of London and that will always be home for me but how is life now in terms of adding a bit more balance yeah do you know what I just I know it sounds strange to say, but I feel like it's so much healthier. Like it is healthier. Like we're, I say we're in the countryside. It's just that we're in a village on the edge. We're on the edge, you know, we're we're 30 minutes from Manchester. We're about 40 minutes from Liverpool. It's easy uh, motorway links to get around everywhere, but we're just off the edge that we're in a village surrounded by fields. And, you know, at the end of the day, and we work from home at the end of the day, like we say, you know, let's just go for a walk around the fields. Let's just reflect on stuff. And you're just surrounded with all this nature and it's just so chill and the vibe is just different. And then even if you've got a really busy day, you just know you're coming back to like a really peaceful, like peaceful place. It's easy to pop in the car, you know, go between projects. Uh, even yesterday, I felt I felt almost like 
like I was spoiled. I went, it took me 12 minutes to get to a project. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is the life. Like, <laughs> you know, I had one of those, do you ever have those realisation moments yeah. that, that all of that work and effort you put in, like I think before working full time and doing property on your days off, on your weekends, your evenings, you're kind of doing two jobs. And then to just, you know, live in the countryside now and go 12 minutes down the road to a project to check on it. I'm like, oh, it was all worth it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah quality, quality of life is good. <laughs> good. No, that's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. And as you say, when you're at the end of your day and you're going for your walks and you're reflecting in, you know, in terms of, of the day, if you were to reflect back on that whole experience, you know, rewinding back to when your coach said to you, you know, what about a move? And you kind of brush it off to say, you know, as if, as if we're ever going to leave, you know, where we're from, which is what a lot of people do. They tend to stay where they they were born or where they live or, or where their current work commitments are. And a move is just completely, you know, off the cards for most people. So just rewinding back to then, would you have done it sooner knowing what you know now? Or do you think it was perhaps just the right time that you actually did trigger the move? Yeah, I I think, to be honest, I've thought about this, and I do think we moved at the right time. I think if it was a bit earlier, maybe our networks wouldn't have been, you know, as, as big or as strong. And I think another thing for people, I guess, to think about is, are you moving away from family? And obviously, you're probably moving away from friends as well. But family, I think, is a really big one. And yeah. we, we have moved away from family. And I think you need to make sure the network that is around you and not just, you know, business people and property people, but they're, they're your actual sort of support network and your friends as well. Yeah. Um, because you do need that. Otherwise, it is really lonely. You know, you don't you don't work. I mean, we probably do actually work 24-7 all the time. <laughs> but, well, we think about it all the time. But you do need that downtime as well. So I think it's it's good to have the balance. But, yeah, I think I think we moved at the right time for us. Brilliant. And the area that you chose was obviously linked very much to your investment area at the time. Will you stay in that area going forward? Or do you think you'll use the same principle in terms of if you do start to look at a different investment area, you'd move again? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think we're quite set in the Northwest because we sort of say let's look for things that are up to about an hour from where we live because obviously I do I do the majority of the project management if I need to visit projects every week let's be practical about it but even then an hour you know an hour sort of surround where we live opens up so many areas and also it means we can connect with people in those areas if they can find projects for us you know and say could you come and see it we still can get there so, yeah, I think we're going to stick with where we are. We, we have had people say, are you going to move again? Like our family saying, well, if we move near you, what happens if you move again? <laughs> so we've had to commit. And obviously we're in this fixer upper that still won't get finished. So, yeah, I think we're pretty set for a while. That's good. And I think you're only a junction or two up the M6 from where I'm recording this podcast today in crew. So maybe we'll have to have a, a separate chat about some of the stuff that we've got going on here. If you're looking within an hour radius, then definitely it probably covers covers our patch as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, any downsides, Kim? Anything that you think you would have done differently with regards to the relocation or is it just all positive? Yeah, do you know what? I think a couple of things, I guess family was probably going to be the one sort of main thing, I guess, to think about. And I suppose as well, if other people are thinking to relocate, if they've got a, a time frame on it. So if they're thinking, oh, do you know what? I'm going to go for five years. I'm going to get everything done and then I'm going to move back down. 
especially if you're going to buy or, you know, I've not really thought about rental, but if people are going to sell something down south, move up north where it's a lot cheaper and then try and move back down south, I suppose my question is just make sure it's definitely affordable because obviously by the time you might move back down south, the prices obviously have gone nuts. So I suppose that's something to consider. Yeah, I think there is that saying that once you leave London or you leave the southeast, perhaps it's difficult to get back in. I guess that depends how well you do with your investments in the north, perhaps. But I think once people move out, there generally is you generally do sort of stay out of the area. I don't have any plans to move back into London. We will move just in terms of moving the family home. But yeah, going back down south is is not on the agenda for the for the for the short term and and you know what you know when people people used to say you know like in the north people are friendlier and I didn't know if that was that a real thing (laughs) and and you know what we used to live in a block of flats and we we probably knew about two neighbors just to say hello to in the lift and literally within about a week of moving into our house we were opposite in the neighbor's living room going out (laughs) for drinks we got a full tour of their house they were showing us holiday photos (laughs) like we've just met but, you know, so I do think it is perhaps a bit friendlier in the north. Oh, that's good. That's good. Maybe, maybe the old age saying is true to our, our new adopted northern friends. That's it. Well, look, anyone that we have on the podcast at the moment, I always like to ask them a little bit about how they're finding the market. Because post-COVID, the market has effectively boomed, something that some did predict, but I think most didn't think would, would necessarily happen on the back of such a, a negative experience that we've all been through so question to you Kim is how are you navigating the current market yeah Um, well you actually doing now and perhaps even just share a little bit about a deal perhaps that you're working on yeah absolutely so I think when when lockdown hit last year we'd been finding most of our projects through either through estate agents or through sourcing agents and that obviously had to change because agents were sharp people were you know the, the market did change And we thought, you know what, let's just use this as an opportunity. Let's just find some, you know, new techniques or new ways to find projects. Um, And we'd never done anything that was like off market or direct to vendor before. So we thought, right, let's give it a go. And I think it was just before they were about to announce that we couldn't even go out. Keith got in his car, drove around the streets because obviously we're local and just looked for empty properties that he thought, you know, looked empty, needed doing up, you know, and maybe those people might be interested to sell. So we started sending letters, just writing to people like to empty houses, would either send them direct to the empty houses, or we would find out who the owners were on the land registry, send them a letter just to express our interest, looking for property that needed fixing up, you know, would they be interested in selling? And we actually got did actually get two two projects agreed through that, which we're we're sort of in the process of going through and completing on now. So, yeah, it opened up a whole new sort of method for us. And I think it was probably it was probably maybe the first hundred or two hundred letters, maybe where we got the first couple of projects through. We did get another one, but it it didn't complete in the end. But we've ended up, I think, in the last. Just over, well, yeah, in the last year, I would say we've probably sent over a thousand letters out, majority handwritten, not necessarily by us. We've outsourced that. And it's just opened up a lot of conversations. We've also spoken to a couple of tradespeople as well and just said, look, if they're out and about and they find projects for us, 
we're happy to pay a finder's fee. So we've actually got a window cleaner that pops around to us every week or so. Brilliant. <laughs> our window cleaner knocks on and he says, uh, yeah, I've got a couple of empty houses you can look at. We've tried posted in Facebook groups just to say if anyone sees an empty house, we're looking to buy things, you know, because then that means there's other sets of eyes out on the street. We can't be everywhere at all times. And people have suggested properties we could consider. So, yeah, so one of the ones we're working on at the moment, we've got two unicorns, which are ones that you rarely find. They're rarely that good. Um, and I'm amazed we found them in a lockdown when the market's gone absolutely mad. But one of them, I'll share some figures on it. We purchased it. We popped a letter through the door to express our interest if it was if the uh, owners were considering selling. It was purchased for 39000 so it could be under the stamp duty threshold. Then with fees, the refurb, and also with our cost of money added in as well, our total spend is 70000 And we've got a remortgage going through at the moment with a new valuation of one hundred and five. So the mortgage coming back is going to be just over 78000 So if we've spent seventy, the new mortgage is seventy we we're going to pull out an additional 8000 and pay back everything we've spent, pay the investor, and yeah, that's that's our little unicorn. And then it's going to cash flow about two hundred and eighty pounds a month. So fantastic! And it's that's one of those projects, Kim, that you just hold forever. Yeah. Do you know what? And we our original plan was to sell it. We were going to flip it. It was just a small one, and we thought let's flip it. And then we saw obviously what was happening in the market, and there were a few houses on the street selling at, at these higher prices. And we said no, let's keep it. We can pull all the money out. We'd worked with a private investor on that one. So they funded the project and we were giving them a high interest rate. So, yeah, it just worked for all of us. So, good yeah. stuff. No, that's brilliant. And it's so good to hear that you're still powering on in this market where, you know, finding deals for estate agents is a little bit more difficult. But it just shows there's a whole bunch of deals to be done. And even more so if you are on the ground, which yeah. is what the podcast is all about and the benefits of being in your investment area, which I think are are abundant really so look Kim how can anybody who's listening if they want to get in touch with you be it business related or perhaps for a walk in the field around your house oh I love going for a walk (laughs) Um, but tell us where you are on the socials and so on so we can get in touch if we if we need to yeah absolutely so I spend most of my time on Instagram or Facebook they're my preferred ones on Instagram it's kim.firmin.property and then on Facebook, it's just Kim Fermin. And yeah, just send me a message and I love a good property chat. Fantastic. Look, Kim, you've been great. It's been great to share the experience of relocation with somebody who's been through it recently. And I hope those that have listened have found some great value from that. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks, Kim. Thanks very much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website, www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.